Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Greetings. I'm Dr. Robert Lee Kilpatrick, the chair of the Health and Medicine member-led forum here at the Commonwealth Club of California. And today in our Healthy Society series, we're going to focus on the campaign to vaccinate America. Now, this is the second program in a series of programs commemorating the uh, one-year anniversary of the Bay Area's Shelter at Home initiative. And we are delighted to welcome back to the Commonwealth Club of California, Dr. Bashara Shukher, MD, who came to us uh, some time ago, originally from Kaiser Permanente, where he was head of uh, community health. And he is now the um, vaccination coordinator at the White House. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome you, Bashara. It's so nice to see you again. So great to see you, uh, Robbie. I'm so excited to be back at the Commonwealth Club. It's been a few months since my last uh, conversation at the Commonwealth Club. Really happy to be here with you. Well, we're really happy to have the captain at the wheel here to give us some insights. And I put together some questions. Uh, I'm representing the audience today. And we want to know as much as you can possibly tell us about the campaign to vaccinate America. So my first question is, what is your job description? And what is your relationship to the Biden administration and the White House? I'm sorry. No, no, no worry. Thank you. Um, um, thank you, Robbie. Um, so just to reflect the, um, a little bit, um, the President Biden uh, created a COVID response team at the White House. He appointed Jeff Zions to be the coordinator of the COVID response team. And on that team, there are four coordinators working on different aspects of the COVID response strategy. So there is an equity coordinator, Dr. Marcella Nunez-Smith. There is a supply chain coordinator, uh, Tim Manning. There's a testing coordinator, Carol Johnson. And there's the vaccinations coordinator. And that's the role that I um, serve in. Um, just to reflect a little bit more on the strategy that the president launched to help respond to the pandemic, um, it is a whole of government strategy. It is a strategy that's based on science. It's a strategy that's based on data, based on evidence, and not a strategy that's based on politics. And um, that strategy includes multiple tenants and one key component of the strategy, Robbie, is to mount an effective uh, public vaccination campaign that would get shots into people in this country's arms so we can get past this pandemic. So my goal is to really making sure that we are executing, executing, executing on the strategy so we can get people in this country vaccinated and we can get past this pandemic. So what have you achieved so far? Well, I do have to say, I mean, over the last um, um, seven or eight weeks that, that we've been in office, we've been really focused on taking those components of the strategy and getting them executed. So when you think about how we've designed um, the, the strategy around vaccinations, it really boils down to three big buckets of work. It's about making sure there's more vaccines, making sure there are more vaccinators across the country, 
and making sure there are more places for people to get vaccinated. And we've identified strategies and tactics under each one of these big buckets of work to make sure that we are getting shots into people's arms. And most of the, many of the audience here today were probably is familiar with the fact that on the supply front, we've made significant progress. And the president did announce last, um, last week that we are going to, um, uh, we're going to have enough vaccine to be able to vaccinate all adults in this country by the end of May. And starting May 1st, he's directing states, tribes, and territories to open up eligibility to every adult in this country. So lots of progress on the supply front. Happy to talk a little bit more about that um, uh, throughout this conversation. Lots of progress on making sure that more vaccinators are available. And we've used the PrEP Act and we've created more amendments so that we can make more and more professionals um, able to vaccinate, eligible to vaccinate people in this country. And of course, on more places to get vaccinated, we worked with FEMA, with states, with local health departments on creating more community vaccination centers across the country. We're launching mobile clinics across the country to reach hardest to hit uh, hardest hit communities. We're distributing vaccines through federally qualified health centers, through pharmacies. So lots and lots of strategies on that front and happy to go through as many of those as you would like and maybe share some of where we are right now when it comes to vaccinations. Well, you know, I recently had my uh, second uh, vaccination and uh, I have to say that the organization and the execution was one of the most seamless and efficient things I think I've ever seen in my life. Uh, was largely staffed by volunteers who were enthusiastic, friendly. They spoke different languages. It was quite amazing. So if you had a hand in that, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, you know, looking ahead, do you see any obstacles that need to be overcome, for example, uh, to convince people who are nervous about the vaccine that it's safe? Yeah, well, that's, um, that is an important issue. Well, let me actually start by um, sharing that what we know is there are more and more people who are really excited about the vaccine. You know, from survey after survey, we're realizing that more and more people are I, have either been vaccinated or ready to be vaccinated ASAP. And that number now is north of 55%, and we're seeing more and more people are ready um, to be in that category. There's about 22% of so of folks who are in the wait and see category. Those are people who are curious about the vaccine. They want to make sure that others are getting vaccinated first, and then they're ready to, to jump in. And there's about 7% who would be ready to get vaccinated if they're asked by their employers, or if they're required to do so. And there's about 15% who are not going to get vaccinated. And we see this data from the Kaiser Family Foundation survey that does this uh, vaccination monitor and issues regular reporting. So, you know, I'm going to start with the good news that more and more people are ready to get vaccinated. And honestly, more and more people are getting vaccinated every day. So lots of um, good progress there. It is important, though, that we continue to build on the vaccine confidence. And I think it's this is a job that all of us have to play a role in. This is not just a government role, a federal government role or a state government role. This is all of us. And we know from focus groups, we know from surveys that people trust their doctors, people trust their nurses, people trust 
um, messengers in the communities that they work with and they've been uh, um, um, they have full trust in. So we really need to all be on this effort to making sure that we're building vaccine confidence. At a federal level perspective, and part of the president's strategy is includes launching a public education campaign um, to make sure that we're building that vaccine confidence. And we are right now spending a lot of time um, having conversations with multiple stakeholders across the country to identify concerns, to develop the right messages for the right audiences that we need to engage finding the right platforms, working to ensure that we're igniting a campaign at the right moment when we have enough vaccine supply that would actually be able to meet the demand that we will be bringing um, from this public education campaign. So we're really excited about this work, but Robbie, we are under no illusions at the task at hand. And that's why our team has been meeting with community leaders on a daily basis to hear their thoughts, hear their ideas, their perspective. And we're meeting communities where they are. And we um, will be leaning on trusted messengers um, across the country with, uh, with tested messages. So it's really important that we continue to double down on building confidence in the vaccine. And one thing um, to keep in mind, all three vaccines that are available are safe, they're highly effective, and we've administered already over 110 million doses in this country. And so we'd want folks who got the vaccines to be able to share that with others and help build the momentum and the excitement to get us to vaccinate the rest of the country. So, you know, from a from a science and a technology point of view, you mentioned there are three vaccines, I think the Pfizer, uh, BioN, the Moderna and the Johnson and Johnson, the Janssen one, um, sort of kind of like one size fits all in the sense that you, you get one of those, but you're an expert in community health. And so you mentioned talking to community leaders, for example, and we've all read in the news that there are some differences in terms of the percentage of certain populations that have tested positive or, or even died based on you know, race or gender or age or what. So what's your strategy looking ahead, how to reach populations that, you know, to use the modern language, I suppose, are historically un- underrepresented, if you see what I mean? Well, th- thank you, Robbie, for bringing up this uh, extremely important issue. And, and let me start by saying equity has been at the center of our national vaccination strategy from day one. And everything we do, every program we launch, every policy we put in place, equity is really front and center in this discussion. Um, And I have to tell you, I get asked often, you know, how do you balance between efficiency and speed of administrating vaccines and equity and fairness? And, And the reality is we don't have to choose either or. We have to do both of those. Like we have to get as many vaccines into people's arms as fast as we can. At the same time, we have to do this in an equitable way. So I can uh, just uh, reflect a little bit on some of our equity programmatic efforts that we've, that we've put in place. You know, on day one, the president directed FEMA to work with the CDC on supporting states, tribes, territories, and local government in standing up community vaccination centers. 
and, and we are now piloting many of those centers across the country. I think there are 18 of those sites that are up and running right now, including one in East Oakland, one in East LA, uh, but also including others in Florida and Texas and New York and Chicago and um, uh, North Carolina and Michigan and other places. And when we started working with states on where we place these community vaccination centers, we've looked at communities that have higher social vulnerability index to make sure that we're reaching communities that have been hardest hit by the pandemic um, to get them access to the vaccine. On top of that, we're working on a mobile program. So each one of these community vaccination centers, particularly the larger ones, are tied to hub and spoke type of approach where you have literally vans or mobiles that are going into communities, setting up pop-up centers in with community-based organization, with faith-based communities um, to really make sure that the vaccine is available in some of those, uh, some of those communities. Um, another program, Robbie, that I'm really proud of is our work with federally qualified health centers. And in just a moment to talk about community health centers, there are about 1,385 community health centers across the country. Um, these are funded and supported by the federal government. They serve about 30 million people across the country, 60% of whom are living at or below the federal poverty level, two-thirds of whom are uh, racial and ethnic minorities. And over the last few weeks, we've started onboarding these federally qualified health centers to be able to receive vaccine and administer vaccines to their patients. So in the last three weeks, we've onboarded 225 of these federally qualified health centers that serve over 12 million people. And now they're receiving vaccines. They're able to vaccinate their patients. And we've just expanded that pool. We've invited 700 more. And over the next six weeks, we'll be onboarding those additional 700 uh, federally qualified health centers to be able to get the vaccine, administer the vaccine, and get the vaccine into um, the arms of, of their patients. So a lot of the programmatic efforts that I think is so critical in making sure that we continue to address equity head on. That's a... <laughs> That's pretty ambitious. That's impressive. So what does the supply chain of the actual vaccine look like at the moment? Are you getting as much as you want or are you not quite there yet? Well, let me uh, let me give you a, a little bit of perspective on the supply. Um, you know, when we got into office, um, the president asked uh, uh, Jeff Zients and HHS to purchase 200 million more doses of Pfizer and Moderna. Um, So we, it was 100 million doses more of Pfizer, 100 million doses more of Moderna, um, and that would have gotten us to 600 total million doses of Pfizer and Moderna by the end of July. And then in February, the FDA approved the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. The CDC approved it as well. And and now we have 100 million more doses of um, of, um, a new vaccine, the J&J, that's equally equally as safe, highly effective, um, that's available. And that would be um, that we should expect those 100 million by the end of June. And then... Because of the partnership between J&J and Merck, two of the largest healthcare companies in the country and in the world, now we'll be able to have Merck help produce more of the J&J vaccine. So now we project to have enough vaccine for all adults in this country by the end of May. 
And last week, the president directed states, tribes, and territories to make sure that all adults become eligible for vaccines starting May 1st across the country. Now, that doesn't mean that all adults will get the vaccine starting May 1st, but we want to make sure that we expand eligibility so all adults will become eligible by uh, by May 1st. So it's going to take us some time to get uh, to translate all these hundreds of millions of doses of vaccine into vaccinations and shots into arms. Uh, but we'd want to do this as effectively and as fast and in an as equitable fashion as possible. Hmm. So that raises a question for me. I remember when I read that the president instructed states and territories to make it possible for adults uh, to receive a vaccination as of May 1st, I thought to myself, what is the relationship between the federal government and the states? What does it mean when the president instructs the states? Do they have to do what the president requests? So we, let me just start by saying this effort to vaccinate America, it's an all hands on deck. We all have a role to play. The federal government has a huge role. State government has a big, big role. Local government has a role. You and I have a role. Everyone in this country have a role to get us there. And I'm I'm so proud of the partnership and the close collaboration between the federal government and the state government when it comes to this vaccination efforts. Uh, we meet the, the Jeff Zients, our national coordinator, uh, meets with the governors every week. I meet with state health officers every week. We engage on a regular basis to make sure that our strategies are aligned, to make sure that we're getting everyone um, vaccinated in this country. Um, when it comes to the um, uh, directive on, on making sure that everybody's eligible, all adults are eligible by May 1st, this is a sp specific directive that will be coming from HHS to states um, under the authority of, uh, that the federal government has. But let me just be really, really clear. This is all about the collaborative approach that we've been taking with states, with local government, with not-for-profit organization, with faith-based communities. And this is what's going to take us to get past this pandemic, Robbie. So I think, you know, thank you. One of the questions I think the audience will have is, is it too early to say how the national campaign to vaccinate America will return us to some form of a new normal? What do, what do you think the, you know, the rest, the next six months will look like, for example? Well, let me, um, let me just start by saying, What's really important is that we continue by executing on our strategy to getting more and more people getting vaccinated, more vaccines, more vaccinators, and more places for people to get vaccinated. And that's what we're spending the overwhelming majority of our time on the COVID response team at the White House in partnership with CDC, with HHS, with uh, DOD and state and local, uh, local government and not-for-profit sector. That's really what's going to be really critical to getting more and more people uh, vaccinated. And as we see more and more people getting vaccinated, the CDC has already um, um, issued some guidance on what vaccinated people can do. You know, if you're fully vaccinated, you can visit other fully vaccinated people without having to wear masks or staying six feet apart. Um, you could visit unvaccinated people if they are at low risk for severe disease. 
Um, you don't. You could refrain from quarantining and testing if you do not have symptoms of COVID nineteen after being exposed to someone with COVID nineteen. And those, I think, were the first step in the CDC guidance on what vaccinated people can do. And I do expect we're going to get more and more guidance from the CDC as um, as more and more people get vaccinated. Um, and I think we've all heard from the president. Um, you know, as more as as all adults become eligible for uh, for vaccination uh, by May first, um, you know, the president set a goal of having a semblance of normalcy back by July fourth with small outdoor gatherings and cookouts for Independence Day. So I think we're uh, making good progress there. Uh, we still have a way to go. Uh, I'm really proud of the. Um, the number of people who are getting vaccinated already, I think I've mentioned this earlier, we have over 110 million doses of vaccines have been administered in this country. Um, we have more than 25% of adults have had already at least one, um, one vaccine, one doses of the vaccine. When you look at 65 and older, where 80% of the deaths have happened, Eight weeks ago, it was 8% of uh, 65 and older vaccinated. Today, it's 65% of 65 and older have had at least one vaccine. So we continue to make progress. We continue to have to make more progress. Uh, but I do see the light at the end of the tunnel, realizing really well that we still have a long way to go. Well, that's a hopeful story so far. So you keep talking about adults. Is there, uh, as part of your national strategy, is there a plan to start bringing younger people into the mix now? Well, there are, um, as we all know, Pfizer is actually approved for 16 and older. So the 16 to 18 um, at this point, um, um, the EUA from Pfizer would allow them to, would allow the Pfizer vaccine to be, um, to be eligible for the Pfizer vaccine. And now we know there are more studies that are happening right now for the younger population. So we're going to have to wait for the result of those trials, evaluate those trials. They'll go to the FDA. The FDA would do its thing. And then once we have uh, decisions from the FDA and the CDC, we'll be ready to roll up our sleeve and figure out what to do when it comes to kids. But it is an important aspect uh, of the work that we need to keep an eye on. Well, you know, Bashar, it's hard to believe, but uh, our time is almost up. And uh, so I'd like to ask you to make, you know, any final comments, talk to the American people, or in fact, maybe an international audience watching this program. What are the most important messages that you want to get across today to recap? Well, just, uh, you know, as we're, we're reflecting on this conversation, I do want to take a moment. A year ago today, I was at the uh, Kaiser Permanente getting ready to start an executive team meeting when we heard from the, um, the Bay Area health officers about the order for shelter in place. And just reflecting on a year ago, it was new terms that most of us have never been very familiar with. Shelter in place, social distancing, masking, all the stuff that became part of our life over the last year. We've all had to go above and beyond to get us past this pandemic. Um, I do want to take a moment to thank the leadership of people like Sarah Cody and Tomas Aragon and Erica Pan, who really led the country a year ago when they called for the shelter-in-place orders in the Bay Area and really reflect on the hundreds of thousands of lives that we lost in this country and across the globe to this pandemic and really be 
hopeful that as we get more and more people vaccinated, we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. So my parting message here is to make sure that we continue to get vaccinated when our turn is there. We have three safe, highly effective vaccine. So my message to everybody, please get vaccinated when it's your turn with the vaccine that's available to you. And let's all of us not forget that we have to continue to keep our guards up. We cannot stop masking. We cannot stop social distancing. We have to continue those mitigation measures um, so that we have more and more people vaccinated. We don't lose the race with the variants and we get past this pandemic. So it, so for my final question, it, it sounds like what you're encouraging all of our viewers today to do is to be an ambassador for vaccination. Is that is that correct? That would be so outstanding. And we all have a role to play. And I have to tell you, there's so much enthusiasm and excitement for the vaccine. And we'd want to continue to spread this enthusiasm and the excitement so that those who are vaccine curious or those who are not as confident in the vaccine get excited and get vaccinated. And that's our path to get out of this pandemic. Well, you know, a year, uh, two years ago, when I first met you, uh, we were doing a program on MLK Day in San Francisco in January uh, 2019. So we didn't even know the pandemic was coming. And at that time, I thought to myself, how does this man who has such a big job seem so relaxed? Now your job's even bigger and you seem very relaxed and very friendly. How do you pull it off? Oh, Robbie, thank you. That's, that's so generous of you. I, I think, um, you know, I have to reflect back on, you know, of having a very clear strategy that the president set for us and really be focused 100% on execution. And most importantly, keep our doors open to listen to ideas, get perspective from people across the country. So for all of the audience here today, please send us ideas, send us suggestions, send us feedback. If there are things we can do better, please let us know. We're here to do everything we can to get us past this pandemic. So thank you, Robbie, for hosting me. And a, a big thank you to the Commonwealth Club for hosting this series. Well, as I wrap up, I want to say if there are any young people watching this program today, this is what a real leader looks like. Uh, it's amazing to me how clear you are in explaining complex issues, and you're a team player. And I think what the message I heard today was uh, we all have to work together uh, individually, friends, families, communities, states, country, to pull this off. And I'm confident that you and your team are going to do it with our cooperation. So thank you, thank you for coming. Uh, to close up here, you know, this is an example of what we do at the Commonwealth Club of California. We bring you this type of programming and we have been doing it for 118 years. We are the leading public affairs forum in the United States. And now that we've gone 100% digital, we're reaching much larger audiences. I encourage everyone watching this program to join, to become a member, it's one of the best things I've ever done for a relatively small monthly payment. Go to www.commonwealthclub.org to join. And also, just after this program, we have another pandemic program and then another one tomorrow commemorating the one-year shelter-in-place initiative in California. So without further ado, thank you very much, Dr. Bashara Shukar. I hope you have a lovely day. Thank you, everybody. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. 
Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support. Thank you.